Thank you. All right. Would you stand with me as we read this passage? If you can, if you would rather stay seated, stay seated. You're not more spiritual if you stand. I just kind of like keeping your blood pumping, but in reverence to God's word too, also that. But you can reverence him setting if you, if you want to. All right. We're, in, we're trying to go verse by verse through 1 Timothy. And uh, so we want to catch the, the flow of teaching as he began writing, Paul began writing to Timothy, and we're going to build on it, right? Each week we're going to catch, and he's going to talk about life in the local church and order and structure and things like that. Um, but we're going we're to focus on the first part of this chapter today where he says in verse 1, I'm reading from the New King James translation. You read and what you got there, just please follow along. It says, Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodness and reverence for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth for there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher. This is Paul speaking. He said, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Amen. You can be seated. Now, listen, that last part there... A couple of weeks ago when we were in chapter 1 and Paul's giving his testimony, he's like the least likely guy you would have ever imagined that would be called to be the missionary to the Gentile world, right? Because he was so prejudiced and all of that is just like the biggest miracle that God called him and gave him that special ministry as to be the apostle sent out by Jesus himself to the Gentile world. All right, so... He's encouraged Timothy. Are you, get back in the flow of this. Are you ready? <clears throat> Take a deep breath. I was telling myself that. You didn't have to do it, but that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you remember that Paul was talking about how important it is to have accurate teaching, doctrine. Very important. And that uh, he gives his own testimony. And uh, he says that there's a war going on, right? He talks about this warfare. Do you see it there in chapter 1 where we were a couple weeks ago? He's encouraged him to wage a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience in verse 18 um, and chapter 1. That, um, not chapter, that, verse 18, yeah, there it is. That, um, in verse 19, oh, there we are. Uh, having faith and a good conscience. And, he's, and, and the thing is, is, is that there's a war going on. There's a war going on for your soul, for your mind, for your heart. And he said there's some that have already suffered shipwreck concerning the faith. And you can take that several ways is that concerning the faith as far as they're trusting Jesus. Some of them aren't trusting Jesus like they should. But sometimes in the scriptures that term the faith, it, it, it indicates that body of truth that is given to us by God, the gospel. It's that body of truth given to us by Jesus, by the apostles, that the faith, this is the doctrine of the gospel, that they've departed from the faith, and, and, and that many of them, and, and, and you know what he says there about, you know, I've, I've turned these guys over to Satan. You want, you want to go the wrong direction? Here, you're going to get, you're going to get something here. And, and so they learn not to blaspheme and speak things that weren't true. All right, so there's a war going on. You got that foundation? Because all this is connected together. Do you see that he says, therefore I... I exhort you. Do you see that? 
Anytime you see the word therefore, look and see what it's there for. It connects it to what he was just saying. This war going on uh, for your soul, all right? So listen, here's the thing. Because of that, there's something very important. The first thing you need to do is you need to pray and you need to keep praying. It's not only supposed to be part of the foundation of our lives, but also of the church life. There's a lot of times we spend more time with just announcement of what's going on than we do actually praying. And there's times when we have prayer services. There's times we'll have, uh, we've even had like, you know, uh, special prayer services and things like that. It's really hard to get a lot of people to come out to those. But we're really just going to split up and we're going to pray. We're going to split into prayer groups. There's times we've had concerts of prayer where we just spend a time with, with, with music and praise and then scripture reading and then prayer and then just kind of going uh, right just through that. <coughs> so, yeah, this is the thing that's to be a, part of our, a big part of our life. And we need to, we need to pray, okay? I need to, I need to open myself up to pray and discipline myself in prayer more. And I want to tell you what our whole church we need to be disciplined ourselves to pray, not just when we're here. If the only time you pray is when someone here in this building says, let's bow our heads for prayer, something is dreadfully wrong if you have a relationship with Jesus and that's all the praying you're doing or over a meal or something like that. It's got to be part of our lifeblood, and I hope that's what we see today. This is part of just as natural as it is for my physical body to breathe. It's just as natural spiritually for me to be praying and be in an attitude of prayer all the time. And I want to tell you something. If you can come back tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to look at an, an example in the Old Testament of just that very thing. And we're not going to take a lot of time to do it, but we're just going to let it come to life and, and teach us something. It's powerful. God's Word is alive and powerful, is it not? And we're going to, we've got a lot of good examples, right? there that's been around here, you know, from thousands of years ago that we can, he can teach us. So it should be just a natural thing. Uh, and we got to, we got, I'm already, like I said, convicted. So, um, sometimes it takes something bad. I mean, Hey, when something bad happens, that's the first thing you should do is pray. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but sometimes it takes something big, something bad to motivate us to get on our knees. You know, the old saying that we're all one phone call from our knees, something bad that could happen. You know, we don't want to live paranoid and all that. But you know what I'm saying is that a lot of times prayer is the last resort, right? It ought to be the first stop, not the last resort. Uh, You know, it's like the the story that um, uh, the grandma had... uh, was staying and she'd come down and she was hurting and she's all talking about how her bones hurt and how her body hurt and how she wasn't going to live much longer and she doesn't know what she's going to do today and was talking about all of that and um and and the little grandson sitting at the breakfast table said well grand, granny maybe we should can we maybe we should pray about it and she says well i guess it's probably come down to that and I think what she meant was is that there may not be anything else we can do, but, but too often it's kind of like, well, you know, somebody told all these problems, all these things going on. Well, maybe we should pray about it. Well, I guess maybe it's come down to that. You know, meaning that a lot of times we will try to fix things every other way. We try to fix it ourselves. We try to get through it. We try to push through. We try to mend it. We try to do whatever. And only when nothing works and we're finally at the bottom of the barrel do we finally look up and say, God help me. Right? It's the last resort instead of the first stop. That's the problem. Uh, and so that's what he's saying not to do. It should be part of our daily spiritual experience, just like breathing is for our body. So he says, look at this verse. He says, therefore, I exhort. He's encouraging. I'm going I'm to shout about this. I'm going to get excited about this. I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to urge you. First of all, 
And that word first of all literally means this is the priority. This is a big thing. This is one of the most important priorities. And let me tell you something. It's probably during the times that you least feel like praying. You ever have those times that you just don't feel like praying? You don't feel like you can pray? It's during the times that you least feel like praying that you probably ought to pray the most. Just do it. You can make yourself talk to God and listen to God. You can do that. He's given you the ability. You just don't want to do it. And sometimes we don't want to do it because I know there's something in my life that when I really start opening myself up in this experience of prayer and letting God and, and peel back the layers and trying to communicate with him, that many times God's going to try to answer my prayer this way. The Holy Spirit's going to, not, and I'm not talking out loud, but in my heart I hear this, is that, that he's going to say that, okay, you know, you're wanting my help and you're wanting me to give you strength and all this and that, um, and you're wanting to be closer to me. Okay, I, I, I've, got to, I've got to remind you there, there's something a little bit in the way here that we've got to deal with, and he's going to convict me about something is anybody following me this morning come on and I, I i'm not ready to do that i'm not ready to let go of something i'm not ready to deal with something but i know where the holy spirit's going to go remember that one time you went to work we were just working here at hartville clarissa and i'd been like really you know negative and bad and griping the kids were all bad and i'm chewing everybody out as they leave and i've been studying i've got god's work to do here right i got god's work i'm trying to get a sermon you know you guys blah 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 and all is really cruel so they finally leave and they all go kids go to school she goes to work and it starts to calm down and i'm going to get in there and i start to pray dear lord and all of a sudden it came up. You know, just the thought came to me. You know, you were a little bit over the top there. You know, because the biggest ministry you have is your wife. Oh, Lord, I didn't want to hear that. And your kids. Yeah, Lord, but I, I need to get this. And, and it just kept coming back. And I finally, I finally got to the point that I had to confess, Lord, I, I was being selfish this morning. And I was short with her. I was rude. And probably with the kids too. You guys don't remember this, do you? They're like, which time, Dad? <laughs> but I ended up, I, please tell me you remember this. You do. She's nodding her head. I ended up calling her at work because God would not give me freedom until I called her at work and I confessed it to her and I said, I am sorry for the way I treated you. And I think maybe the first thing she said, well, you must have got her a conviction then. You know, it's like, don't cut me any slack. But, but, the, the, but the Lord was saying, yeah, you can tell me you're sorry all you want, but she's the one you offended. You need to call her. Now, I would like to say that every time that's happened, I've done that, but I haven't. But I hope that I can keep learning and growing. Amen? But I'm just telling you that that's one of the reasons why a lot of times we balk. It's because we don't want to open up. We don't want to let go. We don't want to deal with something. We're wanting to be selfish. I want this to be. And God's just saying, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to free you. And, you know, you, you, this needs to be dealt with for you to take another step closer. And when you do that, you're going to say, oh, man, this is worth it. This is so amazing, right? So we're our own worst enemy when it comes to prayer. We can blame the devil. We're blaming the devil for stuff the devil never even thought of. It's us. Right? Because we've got that fleshly nature. We live in a sin-cursed world. And, you know, the enemy is always at work. But, you know, we'll, we'll be blaming some demon of this or that for something. And he's like, what? What? I wasn't even near you. That was all you, man. You know, you're giving in to your own selfishness and your greed and your this and that. You know? Yeah? Goodness. The Lord's promised us freedom, right? It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why do we want to live under bondage? 
So Paul is going into this whole thing of prayer. As you can tell, it's a big thing, wrestling match with me, right? Okay, so first thing he talks about is the manner of prayer. Look, at he says, first of all, that supplication. This is the way it's translated here. You can translate these English words or these Greek words into different English words. But here's, here's how this translates it. That all supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all. There are at least seven different Greek nouns in the New Testament that, uh, for prayer. Four of them are used here. In this passage, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, or thanksgiving. So let's look at them. Supplication, that is, that is offering a request. So here's what we're doing. When we're praying, there's all kinds of things happening. Part of the way we pray is supplication. That is, we're offering a request for a felt need. We're asking God to help us, right? That's probably one of the main ways that a lot of times we pray. We're needing God to help us, uh, Whatever it is. So that's, that's supplication. So we're going, to, we're going to be doing that. And then he says prayers. Now that's just like the most common word that's translated prayer. It means communicating with God. What is prayer? Communicating with God. You can do it in a lot of ways. You can talk to him in your heart. You can talk to him out loud. You can, you know, whatever. You don't even have to bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to maybe next week see where he tells the men uh, in prayer and then women some encouragement. And we're going we're to see how that relates to us and what Paul's trying to teach us. One of the things he says to men is lifting up holy hands, right? And lifting up the hands has always been an expression of prayer and praise. But it doesn't mean you have to do that. Holy hands means a holy life, right? So as, as, as we, through prayer, and we let God continue to sanctify us, it's going to increase our effectiveness in prayer. But anyway, so he says prayer is communicating with God. It's, it's more than that. That word also emphasizes the sacredness of prayer, that it is an act of worship. I'm worshiping in prayer. I'm not just expressing my needs and wants. I am doing that, but I am bowing before him. I, I, am, I am worshiping him. I'm humbling, and my, I'm humbling myself before Almighty God in reverence, in wonder, in submission, and in awe. It's all involved in that word prayers. And I could, I could go a lot more, but this is just in general, all right? So then he says intercessions, intercessions. And this could be translated petitions. Um, and it's also used in 1 Timothy 4, 5, and it's translated prayer. So you can translate these words different ways on the context. But I want to tell you what the basic meaning of this word is. Are you ready for it? How is this word used in their language? This is a word that in the original language was a technical term that was used for approaching a king to get a hearing from him. And usually it was on the behalf of someone else. So a lot of times intercession, uh, it, can be, it, can, it means to draw near, to, to have a conversation privately, deeply, confidently. Uh, it suggests that we enjoy deep fellowship with God so that we have confidence in prayer. And that it is often used in the Bible. And you just think about it. You, listen, are getting a hearing with the king of the universe. A private, personal hearing with the king. It was used in that way. And normally this word is used, it's where you're doing that on behalf of someone else. And so we're praying for other people. We're interceding for other people. We're part of a body, right? God wants us involved with each other. A big part of what we do is we pray for each other. That is, well, I'm going in between. You know, in fact, you may be off track. You may not even be praying. I'm praying for you. I'm going to go to the king, and I'm going to get a private hearing with the king to talk about you. How many times has God preserved me? When I was going the wrong direction 
and not thinking because some of you were having a private hearing with the king about me. I think one of these days we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked. How many blessings, how many answer prayers, how much protection, how many things like that that God did in answer to someone else's prayers on our behalf. Intercession. We're going to do supplication, prayers, intercession. And then he says thanksgiving or giving of thanks. Giving of thanks. It's actually one word. That whole thing is one word in the Greek. It's the word Eucharist. And that really means an expression of thanks. It's an expression of the realization that, listen, as I'm praying, I'm realizing that everything that I have, every good thing that I have, I received out of his grace. I don't deserve it. He doesn't owe me anything. But rather, we receive it with a heart that is overflowing with gratitude and thanksgiving. It's all undeserved. He has given it to me out of his grace. And, and, and I want to start looking through and I want to start thanking God because I don't deserve any of this. All of these blessings is just an overflow of his love and his grace and his mercy. And, and I want to just thank him for it. And, and, you know, talking to someone even this week about, I just can't believe that God would do this for me. I can't believe that God would set me free from this thing in my past. I can't believe. And I said, well, quit punishing yourself. Just enjoy and just be thanking him every time. Oh, God, I know I don't deserve all this, but because of your, your mercy, your grace. And just what's happening is when the devil begins to try to knock you down with those things, it's just going to rebound and turn around to more thanksgiving coming out of you. The devil's telling you, you're not. You know, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. You know, all, does he ever do that to you? All the time. Oh, man, how many times? I'm not going to tell you how, whether it's like today, could be. It could be most days. It could be every week that I'm just like, sometimes it comes out loud. I don't, I don't deserve to be these people's pastor, Lord. I don't deserve it. And you know what he says? No, you really don't. <laughs> you really don't. And on your own, you're, you're, you're a mess. But out of his grace and mercy, he makes us worthy, right? You feel like you're not worth anything? On your own, you're not. How do you determine how much something is worth? By how much someone is willing to pay for it. I mean, I've seen articles of stuff that belong to someone or painting. You ever see something? I don't understand. I'm not, I'm not artsy. Some of these paintings, it's like, you know... Grand, grand, grandbaby with, with uh, watercolors could do that. And, but, you know, this is painting. This is makes, I don't know all that abstract stuff and things like that. I don't know. But, you know, it's like, and it sells for millions of dollars. It's like, that's weird. Um, maybe I could be an artist, you know, the way that stuff looks. But it's only worth that because that's what people are willing to pay for it, right? Do you, have you thought about what God was willing to pay for you? Do you understand much about the cross? About Jesus leaving the glories of heaven to come down into this sin cesspool of the earth and be fully human at the same time fully God? Do you realize the agony that he suffered, not just on the cross, but the whole time he was here because of our sins? Do you understand that all of your sins were put on him? And do you understand that he paid for it in full? He paid your ransom. How much are you worth? Jesus says you're worth enough for him to die for. So I'd say that makes you worthy.
Amen? And it's all because of him. It's all because of his grace. And when thanksgiving just begins to flow out of us because of that. And uh, so then, now, so that's the manner of prayer. But then the object of prayer. Did you notice he says that we do this, that in giving of thanks, in verse 1, be made for all men. Now that word men there is a general word that really means mankind. Literally, he's not saying all males. Uh, He's going to use a different word down in verse 8. Eight, which means the males, the men, but here's a word that means mankind. It means human beings, all humanity, that we pray for all humans. So I got to pray for everybody. Yeah, he says, you need to do this, and you need to be praying for all people everywhere. This even includes those in authority. He makes an emphasis about that. All people, because God desires everyone, he tells us in verse 4, we'll come back to this, he desires everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's why we need to be praying for everyone. Do we desire for everyone to be saved? That's what God's desire is. And so that's what he wants us to do. In fact, he desires everyone to be saved. In 2 Peter 3, 9, there's so many verses, but here's another one that says that besides this one here in verse 4. He says... He's talking about the end time and how that, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, he, where's the promise of his return? You know, people have been talking about him coming back and judging us and all that, and it still hasn't happened. But he wants us to know that, you know, hey, God doesn't count time like we do. Because with God, like, a thousand years is like one day, and one day is like a thousand years. Then he says this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's not slacking off. He knows what he's doing. But he says, as some count slackness. But is long-suffering toward us. The only reason he hasn't already come back is he's being patient and waiting for more people to be saved. we got to get busy, folks. But his long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his desire. That's what he wants. So this is the object, all men. So the purpose of praying for those in authority, first of all, he says that we are to pray for kings and those who are in authority. Why? That we may, as it says here, lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. We're to pray for kings, leaders, all kinds of people in authority. Whether you agree with them or not. Whether you like them or not. Whether you voted for them or not. Amen? That's what Paul's saying. You pray for them. Are you praying? And that's what I've done. Not just with... Those who are in authority right now, but even in years past, you know, it's common here. People start railing against whether it's the president or Congress, whoever. Is the way I say, well, you know, you know, you may have some points there, but have you prayed for them? Well, yeah, but anyway, well, maybe you know, keep praying. You know, we do. We need to pray that God can move their hearts. We should be, and He reminds. Do you understand who He's talking about right here? Have you thought? See. In my class, we're talking about Bible study now and how you've got to understand, you've got to interpret it properly, you've got to apply it properly, or you can get off track. The Word of God can become dangerous in your hands if you don't use it correctly. You follow me? And so we want to interpret the Bible like it was written now. So the first thing we've got to do is, is what was he saying in, in the history and the culture surrounding what he's saying? How, what impact and what was he saying to the people right then that day that when they got it first and read it? All right, And so how does that apply to them? What amount of what he's saying there to them, what amount of that is a universal principle that applies to all time? 
And then how does that principle apply to me living today in 2019? That's what you have to do. Because there are some things that are real easy to do. Some things are a little more complicated. Because something that was said might have carried a different meaning and weight to the people living in that time. Just like greet each other with a holy kiss. Ain't none of y'all kissed me this morning. Thank you, by the way. I was going to be all like offended. But, but the thing about it is, is that we know that when Paul told the Romans that, this was a custom that they had. All right? So that's how to apply. It doesn't mean you need to be kissing people at church, right? They don't even, I have to take Purell on my tongue. If they, oh, oh, wow. But anyway, um, because, I, you know, so, so the thing is, is there is a principle. What would be the principle for all time that comes out of that? It means love each other and, and greet each other. Encourage each other. How do we do that? How do we do it? We shake hands, okay? Come on. We shake hands, and, you know, I do the, the real handshake. You know, I'm usually patting on the back, shaking hand, and some people it's like dead fish, you know, things like that. So that's how we understand and, and interpret and apply and apply those things. And, and so please understand now where we're at as Paul's writing to Timothy. Who is the emperor? You ever heard of a guy named Nero? You know how wicked and mentally deranged that guy was, as history tells us? Did you know that Nero may have been like the emperor that some of the things he did is the one who ended up, Paul, we think, from history, being executed? And that he's saying, pray for those kings and authority. He's including Nero, and they say, pray for Nero. How about that? You think about that? I mean, that's, that's where it's getting real. And then it applies to us today, too. So we, why? Why should we do this? What's the reason? Well, that we might be able, just so we can have a better life? Well, yeah. Because they can make life really bad for us, especially in those days. And it might happen. That we might be able to live quiet and peaceable lives. Now, let's look at that. Quiet means tranquil. It refers to stillness. It refers to the circumstances around us. That wouldn't it be good if the circumstances around us are not hostile, but are quiet and tranquil? And then he says, and peaceable or peaceful lives. That peaceful refers to the calm inside of us. So the result is, is that we live a godly life, he says, a devout life with all reverence to God and everything to do. Not just like I have a better life, so, but that it's easier for me to live a reverent, godly life in everything that I do. And so quiet reflects our attitude on the inside and, 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 then, and, then, uh, and behavior on the outside. Have peace, quiet. It's, on the inside, I've got stillness and peacefulness. And on the outside, there's peacefulness and stillness. Why? One of the reasons why is so that it's a little easier to live a godly life and we're not having to like be burned at the stake and stuff like that. But something else that he brings up, because God is not willing, uh, God is desiring all people everywhere to be saved. One of the reasons why is that when, listen, we need to be praying for those authority because when things are right, it makes it easier to spread the gospel. It makes it easier to live a quiet, holy life, but it also makes it easier to spread the gospel. It's a whole lot easier to spread the gospel here than it is in some of the countries of the Middle East. Right? You take this for granted. You know, this would be in China, you could get arrested for doing what we're doing right now. Are we thanking God for that? Are we praying that they can have freedom and that we can keep our freedom. But I'm afraid if we don't use our freedom, we might lose our freedom. I'm going to say amen to that. So these words involve our attitude on the inside, behavior on the outside. 
And so in all things, we're submitting everything to him in prayer all the time. It keeps us from just doing life on our own and reaching for God when a crisis occurs. So this is something, look at it. It says in the next verse, he says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. This is something God says is good. The word here, good, it doesn't mean just good effects. It can, but this is a word that means good in and of itself. It's not so much referring to good in its effects, but intrinsic goodness. That is, God just says, that's good. That's beautiful. That's precious to me. God says, when you do this, he says, I think it's good. I think it's precious. I think it's valuable to me. It pleases God. You know what? One motive that I have in prayer is to know that it, pre- it pleases God. To know that when I... Listen, he's wanting, to, he's wanting to talk. A lot of times, some of y'all don't like to talk to me. And I can tell. I just keep talking anyway, you know? And you can kind of give me that, like, looking at your watch. And you can kind of act like you're distracted. Act like you got a phone call. I'm just going to keep talking anyway. Um, so, uh, but, but you know what? God wants you to talk to him. He's never going to do that to you. He says, I'm waiting for you every day. Yeah. And he says it's good. It pleases him. So one of the biggest things that I know is that when I'm praying, I'm pleasing God. That does something to me. I don't know about you. And more than I want to impress anyone or even, uh, you know, with my prayers or, or, or even want to share my burdens with, uh, with the Lord or anything, most of all, what I want to do is I want to please him. All the rest of, of sharing my burdens and all his presence and everything, that's extra. So he reminds us here, even that this is good and acceptable, this pleases God, of God our Savior. Did you see that? that don't, don't let that sneak by you. God our Savior. This is another statement that shows the deity of Christ. And he is God and he is our Savior. Our Savior is our God. Woohoo! You know, um, you know uh, Philip was talking to me about trying to help some people, and they're kind of part of a cult, and they were just like spilling all kinds of stuff on you all day. You know, they don't really believe God is their Savior in that way. They really don't, and it's sad. It's sad, isn't it? But right here is yet another verse that you can say, you know, here's another verse that talks about the deity of Christ, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God the Son, that he is God, and he is our Savior. Aren't you thankful that the one who is our God and is going to be our judge is also our Savior? Huh? Isn't that awesome that the judge that you stand before is the one who died for you and paid the price? Can't get any better than that. Now, let's go on with this because here's the reason why we're to pray. Because we're to pray for all people. Why? Why we're to pray for all people. Verse uh, 4, he desires all men, all human beings to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God loves everyone everywhere and Jesus died for their sin just like he died for your sin and he wants them to be saved and he wants them to know it you need to be praying about that the salvation of lost souls is number one priority with God once again I ask you is it ours are we just so busy living our lives and doing our thing and being comfortable that seeing souls saved is not our priority I want to tell you it's God's priority That's part of the reason why we're here is not just to help them get saved, but become disciples. You want to know that's the purpose of this church is to reach lost souls, help them to find come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved and help them to become disciples and followers of Jesus. That's why we exist. I think a lot of churches forget why we do this. This is God's mission statement. He desires all people everywhere to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And did you notice that? They must come to a knowledge of the truth. That they're, and, 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 and because you can't be saved without the truth of God. You can't get saved without the word of God. The word of God's got to be involved. They've got to know the truth. A lot of people don't know the truth. And the truth is, is like he says next, he says there's one God and one mediator between a holy, perfect God and sinful human beings, and that is Jesus Christ. People need to know that. If you don't know that, you're not going to be able to be saved. 
You might ask, well, if it's God's will that all be saved, then why does it seem so few are? Well, part of the reason is that God has given each one of us a free will, meaning that he wants us to choose to love him back. He chose to die for our sins, but if he forced us to be saved, we would be more like robots. We wouldn't be, we, you know, we say that a lot, but think about it. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. He wants you to choose him back. And you can resist God. You can turn your back on God. You can say no to his grace and mercy if you want to. But then you'll have to answer for it yourself one day. And so that's one reason. Another reason why some haven't been saved is they haven't come to the knowledge of the truth yet. That's where he wants us to come in and be a part of that. In praying and sharing the gospel. And so, anyway, so the ultimate truth... The ultimate truth that he wants us to know is that um, is this. There's only one God, one mediator between God and mankind. You see that? This is a big verse right here. That's the truth they've got to know. Without knowing that, they won't know how to be saved. He says, did you notice that? The man, Christ Jesus, there's one mediator. There's one that goes between. There's one that can come between a perfect God and sinful man and bring them together, and that's Jesus Christ, all right? But notice how he says it right here in this verse. He says, the man, Christ Jesus. Did you know it's, it's so powerful? He's all of that. Do you see that? He's Christ. That means he's the Messiah, fully God. He's the king. He is Jesus, and Jesus means Savior. He is our Savior. So he is the Messiah King. He's God. He is Jesus, the Savior, and he became fully human. He became man. All of that's right in there, the man, Christ Jesus. Paul says a mouthful right there, doesn't he? People need to know that he's all of that. And, that's the, and he's the only one that was qualified to pay the price of the ransom price for our sin. That's what he says next. That gave himself, verse 6, to be a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. He's the only one that was qualified to bring a perfect God and sinful humans together. Because he lived as a fully human, yet fully God. He had the resources to pay for all sins of mankind. But as a human, he could die and pay that price. He could take all my sin and all your sin, and he paid the ransom. Your sin had sold you into death. And Jesus came and paid the ransom to set you free. He's the only one that did. He's the only mediator. He's the only one that can save you. You need to be praying that everybody gets to hear that. That's powerful. only one qualified no one else he's the only one that could pay the ransom no one else no one else only Jesus this was always God's plan did you know that the Old Testament and the law were just steps leading up to it but it was always that's why he said to be testified in due time this was always the plan it was announced in Genesis chapter 3 that the seed of the woman would come but it didn't happen until it was testified in due time Paul said it this way to the Galatians, Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, and, 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 and we're going to see how God has lifted up the role of women in ways that a lot of times people don't understand. Born of a woman, no man involved, born of a woman, born under the law, that he came so that he could keep the law and that he could overcome and fulfill the law uh, for us. In the, when the fullness of the time had come, that means exactly the right moment in what we call time, that's when he came. To be testified in due time. That's what Paul's talking about. So it was Paul's calling in ministry to go and proclaim this to the Gentile world. And Paul takes it so seriously. He says, I want you to know that, you know, he was as prejudiced as anybody could ever be. But God turned his whole life around. It Doesn't God do that? He changes your thinking about stuff, doesn't he? He changes your thinking about people. 
Because Paul, being a Pharisee before, he didn't even want to touch anybody as a Gentile. Now he becomes the main missionary to lead Gentiles to Christ. Wow! Isn't that amazing? We just see God 180, 180, huh? We need some 180s in our life, right? I keep hearing people who say, boy, God's really changed my life. I've done a 360. Well, if you did a 360, you're going the same direction you were. That's all the way around. 180, that's halfway around. You know, I was going this way. 180, right? Am I right? Am I mixed up again today? Am I right? Tell me I'm right. All right. Okay, we need some 180s, okay? Paul did a 180, and um, God changed his life. And he said, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. I didn't take this on myself, that he called me and made me a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Did you get that? Faith and truth. You can't just do what feels good. It's not feel-good theology. It's the truth. It's faith. All right. Let's, you ready to take it home? Can you take it home? We're not gonna leave, are we going to leave it here, Pam? We're not going to leave it here. We're going to take it home, y'all? And you're like, When? Whenever you get ready to, 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 to pack it up here to go, let's take it home, all right? Let's make prayer a priority. Some suggestions, some helpful suggestions, all right? First of all, form a habit. Form a habit. If you don't plan to pray, you won't pray. Get a plan. Get a plan. Satan's got plans and schemes to try to get you off track. You need to have a plan to stay on track. You need to have a plan for prayer. Now, you need to be able to pray anywhere, anytime. I'm going to talk about that tonight. But you've got to be deliberate. Here's our word for today. Deliberate. Be deliberate. That means you're going to make a point that this is going to happen. Well, I just don't have time to pray. I'm just so busy and all this. And I always want to say, do you take time to eat? Looks like you do. I think you can take time to pray. You know, even if you're driving... You know, Jesus said, watch and pray. That's, don't bow your head and close your eyes. Watch and pray, right? You know, you know, that's right. Form a habit. What works for you might be different than me. Form a habit. Secondly, set no limit. That means pray about everything. Don't just have like, well, you know, uh, you need God's strength and direction. Listen, you need God's strength and direction for the little things as much as the big things. We just don't know it. Huh? Now, the big things, boom, that's really a call for prayer. But don't miss the little decisions and normal everyday flow of life. You need him there just as much as in the big crises and big decisions. So set no limit. There's no such thing as stuff I can handle and stuff I got to pray about. It's all stuff I got to pray about. Set no limit. And then the last thing is deny all substitutes. Because there are a lot of good things that God also wants to use in our life and even... You know, even talking to Christian brothers and sisters and different things like that and finding spiritual counsel, those are all good, but it's still not a substitute for prayer. First of all, first of all, prayer, supplication, intercession, thanksgiving, first of all, it's one of the first things we do is we pray. Don't substitute. What could be more better? What could be better? I don't guess I have to say more better, just better. What could be better or more awesome? than a direct line to the king of the universe. Huh? You've got that. You've got that. You've got that that red phone, you know what I'm saying? Hotline. Anytime. 
the throne of the universe, God's throne, the God that spoke it all into existence. Woo! And it's available during the routine stuff, but especially during the tough times. Get on that hotline. We're going to find out tonight. There's a guy put on the spot. And he dialed the hotline standing before the king. The king didn't even know it. He's not standing before the king, but I'm talking to God. <sighs> oh, it's good. You, you don't miss it. I'm, I'm advertising, I know. Hebrews 4, 16, he says, Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That's God's throne. It's a throne of grace. Aren't you glad it's a throne of grace? That we may obtain mercy and find grace. That's the two things I need. Mercy, that he don't give me what I deserve. And grace, that he gives me Jesus who I don't deserve. Grace, that I might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Only thing is, Jordan, I found out I'm always in need. Buddy, I am. I have to confess it. Doug, you ever feel that way? I'm always in need. It's not just the stuff I can't handle. I can come boldly. That means with confidence. You don't have to go through a pope. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through, what was he talking about? A patron saint. You don't have to go through anything. You go directly through Jesus because of his blood right to the throne. And he hears you. And you're going to find grace and mercy to help you. Father.